We're going to continue our study in the book of Galatians. So if you could, turn to the book of Galatians. I'm going to go through this study a little slower pace than I have in other books. This book is so important. It's a defense of the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ. And as I said before, if you read Paul's epistle, in his epistles, he's usually combating works-based religion. And he's always bringing Christ to the forefront. Always. As I mentioned, it was two weeks ago, I think we had the last study, that right here in these first five verses, Paul masterfully sets Christ before the Galatians. Before he does any kind of correction, he sets Christ forth. We're going to look at that next week. But this week, we're going to be looking at verses 2 and 3 today. So let's read Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. These five verses are just remarkable. Amazing what's set forth in these, these verses. Now in this book, again, as well as many of the books that Paul wrote, as I said, he's, he's combating anything that is added to the finished work of Christ. Because again, if you add just a pinprick, just a pinprick of works. Now, in works, Jake, my buddy out west, called me one day and he said, you know what works is defined as? Anything you do mentally or physically. So anything you think you can do to gain merit and favor with God or anything you physically do to gain merit and favor with God is, is false. If you're doing that to gain merit and favor with God, it's just like filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. This book is written by the Apostle Paul, again, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. So the real true author of this book, as the whole scriptures, is God the Holy Spirit. And again, we see here, we will see as we study this book, that Paul is battling works-based salvation. Now this works-based salvation had crept in. It always creeps in subtly. It always creeps in subtly. Little things that you have to do or not to do. Oh my. Anybody starts setting a standard that you have to do something, you just say, I trust and rest in Christ alone plus nothing. He's my only hope. He's my righteousness. He's my peace. I have... The only reason I have peace with God, the only reason I can stand before you and, and proclaim that I have, Wayne Boyd has peace with God. The only way I can proclaim that is in and through Christ alone. 
And every believer can claim that. People can say whatever they want. Oh, the, this and you do this and you do that. You lose your salvation. Oh, you don't. Oh, no. Nope. I'm in Christ and I'm safe and secure and I'm complete in Him. And I'm saved because of what He did. And I will pronounce right here that no one in this world can be saved by anything they do. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to what? His mercy. Oh, have you tasted that the Lord is merciful? Have you tasted that He's merciful? By His mercy, He has saved us. He saved us. By His mercy and by His grace, beloved. So after Paul and Barnabas left the area of southern Galatia, men known as Judaizers had crept in. These Judaizers had crept into the the churches, the established Christian churches. And again, these Gentiles, these Gentile churches were, were new churches, so these were infant believers. New churches... And these Judaizers, and they're nothing but worksmongers. That's what they are. False religionists. False religionists. That's all they are. They crept into these established churches. And they told these, they, they whispered in these Gentiles' ears, you have to be circumcised and trust Christ to be saved. You have to follow the law of Moses and trust Christ and be saved. That's what they do. You have to do this. Or you have to do this. Or that. I call it checklist Christianity. And I'll tell you what. There's a lot of people that have right doctrine that are checklist Christianity people. It's deadly. It's deadly. If you don't check their boxes, they say, well, you're not saved or you're not preaching the gospel. Well, I say this. If God be for me, who can be against me? Right? Oh, my. So they insisted that you had to be circumcised after the manner of Moses. And when these Christian converts argued that Paul did not teach these things, the Judaizers said, well, Paul's really not an apostle. He wasn't one of the twelve. He wasn't one of the twelve. And then they said they couldn't be saved unless they kept the law of Moses. My, oh my. So Paul's writing this letter. And I'll tell you what, we're going to see Later on in this chapter, he goes right at him. And he, but first we saw in verses uh, 3 and 4 that he set Christ's death. He's, he set forth who Christ is. What he did. Aren't you glad it says he died for our sins? He's a sinless one. He had no sin. He knew no sin. And yet the scripture says here, says here, who gave himself for our sins. Verse 4, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Look at this. 
according to the will of God and our Father. Sent by God on a mission to fulfill the will of God and the, the will of God. Think of this. For us, we, we had no idea. Before the Lord saved us, we had no idea we were one of the elect, did we? We didn't have a clue. That's why the gospel has to be preached to everyone. Because we don't know who the elect are. And that's why every gospel message is a call to flee to Christ. I don't know who, I don't know who the elect are. I don't know who the lost sheep are. But I'll tell you what, you put 100 people in front of me, and I'm going to preach the gospel. And I'm going to leave the rest up to the Lord. And that's what we should do. Leave the rest up to, leave the results up to the Lord. And it says here though, he gave himself for our sins. He's sinless. That he might deliver us. Oh, we need to be delivered, didn't we? We were in bondage to sin. And to this world. But he delivered us. He died for us and delivered us. Let this warm your heart this week. According to the will of God and our Father. <clears throat> if you're saved, if you're sitting here right now today and the Lord has saved you, it is according to the will of the Father. That's amazing grace, isn't it? The fact that he didn't cast us into hell. He didn't let us die in our sins. My, oh my. Because <clears throat> the only one who's made us to differ is God, right? He's the only one. My, oh my. So Paul defends his apostolic authority in verse 1. Let's now read verses, uh, verses 1 to 4 here. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now, my prayer is that as we study this book, that God would just ground us in Christ. No matter how mature we are in our walk, we always, we're always going to be learning, beloved. People get themselves in trouble when they think they've arrived and they can't be taught. Lord, my prayer for us as a church, and this is my prayer for myself, Lord, give us teachable spirits. Give us teachable spirits. Help us to always come and be ready to hear the word preached and proclaimed and, and, and hear from the Lord. Hear from the Lord. Hear what he sells us in his word. Oh my, and what wonderful news this is. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Oh, may God keep us as a church looking to Christ. Through all the turmoil going on in this world, may the Lord keep us looking to Christ, who is the author and finisher of our salvation. And so we see by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God that Paul brings forth how he became an apostle in verse 1. He said, this is not by man. Not by man at all. Neither, not of man, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So right away he's setting forth his apostolic authority, which comes from the Lord. There wasn't a group of men that consented to have him come. 
and be an apostle. No, he was, he was made an apostle by God. And I'm going to say this too. There's no more apostles. You hear somebody, I, I've heard oh, these just lying folks out there and they say, well, I'm an apostle. No, you're not. You're a liar. Because there are no more apostles. No more at all. And the Apostle Paul was endowed with power from God, proving that he was one of Christ's apostles. And if it had not been for the grace of God and the divine revelation of Jesus Christ and his Damascus Road conversion, you know what, if, if the Lord hadn't intervened there in Paul's life, Paul would have just kept on persecuting Christians. We would have kept hating God if he hadn't intervened in our lives. You know, Scripture says, I, I remember saying to one person that one time they, I had preached on the, um, that we have enmity with God in our hearts. That's Scripture. And the person said, I never had enmity with God. Well, I'll tell you what, you don't know the Lord then. And that was a supposed grace believer. I'll tell you what. I might not have outwardly said that I hated God before the Lord saved me, but my actions, my words, my sin screamed that I hated him. Because all my sin and all your sin was against God. Now think of this though. Think of this. Who gave himself for our sins. What love. What love. The very one who we offended his justice. The very one who we sinned against. Comes and dies for us, beloved. Gives himself a ransom for our souls. And we think back in our lives and we look back on our lives and how we were and who we were. And you know, that was all according to the will of God to bring us to the point where the Lord intervened in our lives. Now what did he have to do for us to be sinners? Just leave us alone, right? And if he had left us alone, we'd have been headlong going to hell. What does God have to do for a man to go to hell? Nothing. What does God have to do for a man or woman to be saved? Everything. <laughs> I know you've heard me say that a hundred times. I'm going to keep saying it because it's true, isn't it? Everything. Everything. Oh, boy. Beloved, he works all things after the counsel of his will. And, and we look back at things and we think, boy, it's a mystery. How did that work for the will of God? It did somehow. For his glory. You know, having COVID and laying in bed there. You can't do nothing. Just laying in bed, helpless. And I just, I just kept casting myself at the Lord's feet. Lord, just give me strength. Give me grace. If you're going to take me home, take me home. But if you have mercy on me and spare me, so be it, Lord. I'm going to preach a gospel. <laughs> He's so wonderful. 
<coughs> so I'm sorry. We see in verse 1 that it was the will and the eternal purpose of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that Paul would be an apostle to the Gentiles. And this is true of all God's ordained preachers. We don't take this office upon ourselves. God puts us in this position. It's God who does that. And then, I like what Henry said, God makes the preacher. Any growth you see in me, I don't see any growth in myself. I'll be honest with you. We don't ever see any growth in ourselves. But any growth you see in me comes from God. Comes from him. And, and there is, like I said, there's no more apostles. Signs and miracles ceased after the apostolic age. Now, can God still do miracles? Yeah, he still does miracles. Every time a person's saved, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Can God heal people? If he chooses to heal people, absolutely. Absolutely. But as far as the apostolic age, that ended with Paul. And, but, but each preacher's ministry is confirmed by the gospel we preach. God sent us to preach the gospel. To preach, to preach the one true gospel, which is salvation in and through Christ alone. Now let's look at verse 2. It says, In all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Now the word brethren there in the Greek means a brother. Generally, it denotes a fellowship of life based on the identity of origin or members of the same family. That's the Greek meaning for this word. Beloved, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in the same family. Now, we have family, that our flesh family, don't we? But we're all spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. We have an eternal bond. We have an eternal bond because our God is eternal, right? And our bond is in Christ. My, oh, my. So all the born-again, blood-washed saints of God have the same Father. They're born again by the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And they have the same Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Same Savior, the one Savior. Neither is there salvation in any other, no other, other than Christ. And it's Lord Jesus Christ who is the object of our faith. And that faith is given to us by God. It's incredible. It's just incredible. So Paul brings forth here that the brethren who are with him greet this church, or these churches in Galatia, not just one church, greet the, the, the Galatian churches. And they send a greeting along with Paul. And note, note how Paul says he's, he, I love how Paul does this. I, I've seen this through his epistles. He, he makes himself no better than anyone else. I love what Scott said. That's stuck with me now. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And Paul brings that forth. He says, the brethren greet you too. 
Now, he's already set up his apostolic authority. But now he's just saying, the brethren who are with me greet you. Me and my brothers are, we greet you, we love you. It's awesome. He doesn't vault himself up. No, he calls those spoken of in verse 2 brethren. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. All of God's people are brethren in Christ. We're family, beloved. We're family. We have a bond. I'll tell you what. We have a bond that's an eternal bond. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Did we know that? No, we had no clue, right? Until the Lord revealed that to us. But you ever notice the kinship you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Now, you're blessed. You've got two sisters who love the Lord and your family. But when you don't have that, it's like I tell you guys, you guys are my family. I'm closer to you than I am to my own brothers. And that, that only comes through Christ. And wh- what do we all share? The same Savior. The same love for the gospel. The same love for the scriptures. And, and don't worry if it's, if it's just a little bit here, a little bit. We have it. By God's grace. We now love the God of the Bible. That's a miracle in itself. That we who were rebels shaking our fists at God now love, love the Savior. That lips, that lips that once said words that we shouldn't have uttered now praise his mighty name. That's a miracle, beloved. That's a miracle of grace. So Paul puts himself on the same level. It's showing that we're all one in Christ. That's what he's bringing forth here. We're all one in Christ. We're one in the Redeemer of our souls. And remember, his authority had been challenged as well by the Judaizers. And here he brings forth that he's not alone. That's something I told the folks that left. When they left, I said, I've got all these gospel preachers behind me. Behind the church. In agreement that we're preaching the gospel. My, oh my. I'll tell you what, and Paul's doing a similar thing here. He's saying, all the brethren which are with me, greet you too. Brothers and sisters, you never met, greet you. Greet you. It's wonderful. Calvin brings forth that the concurrence of so many godly persons must have had some degree of influence in softening the minds of the Galatians and preparing them to receive instruction. I like that. I wanted to conclude that because what he's bringing forth is that Paul, by saying he had all these folks with him, are actually preparing them to receive the word going, he's not, he's not on his own. He's got all these men behind him. My oh my, when I saw that, I was just amazed because that's so true. 
it would, it would soften up what's going to come forth, soften them up for what's going to come forth. Remember, they're a young church, young churches. But they love Paul. And this letter and greeting are not only from Paul, but from all the brethren we see here too. All who assisted with Paul in the ministry. Now this epistle is written to the churches in Galatia. We, let's read verse 2 again. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. So it's written to, to local assemblies in Galatia. These churches were not national organizations. They were congregational like we are. They didn't, they didn't uh, belong to a huge group of churches all over the country. No. They were autonomous, functioning independently without control by others, just like what we are here, and just like what each Grace Church is. Now, we're affiliated with Grace Churches, right? We have fellowship with Grace Churches, but each one of us is an autonomous church. And these are the same a congregational autonomous church. And this is who Paul's writing to. These different churches. And these churches were established during Paul's first missionary journey. There were some located in Sidon, some in Antioch, some in Iroquim, some in Lystra, some in Derby. But they were churches that were established. And who knows other places too within Galatia. It's a big area. We don't, we're not told how many churches they are, but we do know that in those in those cities, that there were churches established. And this, this epistle was written after the council at Jerusalem, which is recorded in Acts chapter 13 to 16. It must not have been very long <clears throat> after this, because Paul speaks of the conversion of the people there as a recent thing. Look at, look at verses 6 and 7 here. He's speaking of this as a recent conversion for these churches. He says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed. You see, so that speaks in verse 6. That speaks of, of this church. It hadn't been established very long. These churches. So soon removed. From what? From him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Look at that. And then look what Paul says which is not, which is not another. Not another it's, not, it's not good news. The good, I'll tell you what's good news for sinners. Salvation's in Christ alone plus nothing, and we just rest and trust in Him. That's good news. This was not good news because it added to the finished work of Christ. It added something man has to do. Oh my. And Paul says, which is not another, but there'll be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. It's a perversion. See, think of that. All the false religions in this world that are based on Christianity, right? Any church of Christ? Seven, church of Christ says you have to be baptized to be saved. Seventh-day Adventists, they say, if you don't worship on Saturday, 
They're Sabbatarians. They say if you don't worship on Saturday, you worship the mark of the beast. You got the mark of the beast. Just foolishness. And the list goes on, right? Mormons, Catholics, right? Lutherans. It just keeps going on. Anything, anything added to the finished work of Christ is a perversion of the gospel. Now, I can speak at the Catholic Church because I came out of her. And I'll tell you what. It was all works. It was all works. It was all based upon what I had to do. And if you read church history, you read, start reading some of the stuff, they've always been like that. There's a good book called The Bondage of the Will by Luther, and he's actually writing Erasmus, who is pro-free will, and, and the whole thing of the bondage of the will is that our wills are in bondage to our nature. That's why we're sinners. Because we come into this world dead in trespasses and sins with a dead nature. Sinners to the core from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. That's why we need to be saved. My. So Paul says anybody who adds works to, to the gospel of Christ, they pervert the gospel. And Paul was prompted by the Holy Spirit of God to write this letter due to the sinister influence of the Judaizers. They crept in again. They crept in unawares. And that's what error does. creeps in. And it was his purpose to counteract this dangerous error by re-emphasizing. And that's what he's doing. In in, in verse 4 there, he's re-emphasizing the gospel. That Christ died for sinners according to the will of God. He's, he's re-emphasizing the gospel again before he does any correction and urging believers to adorn their faith and prove it genuine by loving and caring for one another. Now one might ask, who are the Judaizers? Well, they're people that teach that believers are still under the law of Moses as a rule of life, even though they profess to Confess Christ. We still have them among us. We still have them among us today. They inspired our liberty, beloved. That's why there's warnings in the scripture about this stuff. They inspire our liberty, our freedom, and seek to yoke us under bondage again. And that's what Paul says. And look over, look over in chapter five. This is this will tie right in with that. Look at this. Chapter five, verses verse one. Look at this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom, wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled by works-based salvation. Rest in Christ and him alone. Trust in Christ and him alone. Oh, my. So the greetings from Paul and the brethren who were with him was not addressed to just one of the local assemblies, but to many. 
Could you imagine receiving a letter from Paul? Especially since he established those churches, he was used by God to establish those churches. Could you imagine the, the joy that those believed? We got a letter from Paul. My, oh my. And notice this too. It's written to the churches in Galatia. So this error had crept into many churches. And Paul, he's going to head it head on. He's going to head it head on. Look at verse 3. It says, Grace be to you in peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember this, the scriptures are written to God's elect, right? So if you're one of God's people, this, this letter is written to you. It's written to me. My, you know, when I, when I found that out, when I, after the Lord showed me grace, and I found out that the scriptures were written to God's people, and I was one of them, I was amazed. Fills your heart with joy. You read the scriptures a whole different way. It's a love letter from our king. <laughs> oh, my. So it says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every blessing that comes to us comes to us in and through Christ. Only through him. And Christ was ordained by God our Father to be the object of all worship. All praise, therefore every blessing comes through him. Comes through him. To us. And why? That we might give him the praise. That we might give him all the glory. And we praise our Heavenly Father for sending our King, don't we? We praise his name. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Father, for choosing me in Christ, a hell-deserving sinner. Thank you that you saved me by your grace. Thank you that Christ is the one mediator between God and man. And he's my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And notice here, too. Notice here. It says, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are two of the, the very precious blessings that comes from our God, the Father, through Christ to us. Grace and peace. Christ is full of all grace. We have peace with God only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice the order. Notice the order here too. This is important. Notice the order. Grace first, then peace. Grace always comes first, then peace with God. Yeah. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. No peace to the wicked. But all oh, God's gracious to his people. He has mercy on whom he have mercy. And think of this too. Only the Lord Jesus Christ met all the covenant conditions. All the conditions of the covenant of grace. Only Christ met those. Only him. Our holy God can bestow his sovereign grace upon us because of what Christ has done. That's the only reason. So God can be just and the justifier of his people then, right? Yeah, just like scripture says. To all who believe, there's only one justifier. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And when the gospel of God's saving grace is revealed to us, when we're enlightened by God the Holy Spirit to know that Jesus Christ has honored God's law in our room and place, satisfied God's, God's justice in our room and place, then what happens? Peace floods our souls. I'll tell you what, you start getting rocked by the world, things in the world, just remember, I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I just need to keep my eyes on him. I just need to keep my eyes on him. Our peace with God causes us to be at peace with one another, too. Oh, it is. As much as it's possible, our peace with God causes us to be at at peace even with our enemies. And we're seeing our study of this book that Paul calls for a return to the gospel. That's what he's calling them to, to return to the gospel. We're going to see that in the next few weeks. And he denounces all human effort, as we saw. Anything, any human effort is a perversion of the gospel. I ask you this. I was listening to the Spurgeon this morning before I came. He said something. He said, if man could do something, why did Christ come to this world to die? If we could possibly save ourselves, why did the Savior, why did the King of Glory leave heaven? Well, he left heaven for us because there was no way for us to save ourselves. And then he said this, it is an affront to God for anyone who says that they can be saved by something they do. It's like spitting in God's face. That's serious business, isn't it? That's why Paul said that, that gospel, that, that false gospel is not good news. But praise be to God. We've heard, we've been endowed with hearing ears, beloved, to hear the wonderful gospel of salvation in Christ alone. And what do we say? Praise his mighty name.